0: Standard of Paranormal Radio. And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg. You know, one of the interesting things about people who claim they've met up with extraterrestrials or other advanced beings by channeling in person, whatever, is they never seem to transfer knowledge that's beyond what we already know now i'm thinking here if you're on another planet and you've come to earth from another star system and maybe you're hundreds or thousands of years ahead of us maybe you'll have teeth that work so you don't have to get your teeth fixed constantly you won't have to worry about fixing the molars or fixing the broken tooth or replacing teeth that have just gone bad or living without teeth or living with false teeth and maybe you'll have good eyes so you won't like i have have to go for cataract surgery or have a bad contact lens or something like that. Maybe you'll just be able to get some kind of eye drop unless you're Captain Kirk and then your eyes will be perfect. You think of all the imperfections humans have and ET won't even give us help with that. Help us with cancer. Help us with HIV. Help us with COVID-19. Why should we have to worry about being vaccinated or treated Give us the ET solution. What about having perfect eyesight, perfect hair, perfect hearing, perfect teeth? Never going to happen. So I think that's the biggest argument I have about a lot of those claims. I don't know where you stand, Morgan Knudsen, but that's my opinion. I'll stick with it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good opinion. So there's a couple of things actually I, that I, I want to touch on a, about this, which is first, I think the new advancements that people have that, or that parapsychology has come into when it comes to things like mediumship and, and channeling and stuff like that. Um, but also going back, like we go back to like 1945, 1943, time of the war, and whatever. What was really interesting was that during that time period, like Hitler was extremely interested in the Cult. Like I mean, he had a, a real thing for it to the point where he had a department designated. And, I mean, the U.S. was doing the same thing with the aid projects and and stuff like that. Um, but Hitler was really delving into it on a, on a whole other level. And what was interesting was that when the soldiers and or some of these scientists were captured and brought over to the States... They were basically saying because people wanted to know how did you get all this information for your your space programs your you know all of this the scientific knowledge that they had that was above and beyond the the U S at the time. The one thing that the scientists had said was that we actually didn't get the knowledge from here. They said, well, what do you mean? And they were like, well, we had this this group that was basically channeling this information, and that's how we ended up further ahead and getting this information. So. I mean, which all could have been crap. I mean, (laughs) it's the Nazis, right? But I thought that was really interesting. But secondly, the advancements and what's been going on in the last, I would say, 10, 15 years uh, when it comes to to stuff like this is that the parapsychology community is actually leaning towards this type of thing being more about telepathy than it being about channeling disincarnate entities.
1: Let's explain each part of this, okay? More about telepathy? yeah and so with other people
2: or with the person that's the other person that's in the room so for example you're sitting across from someone and you're saying okay I, i'm going to tell you about you know this loved one or i'm going to tell you about you know your job or something like that what they're starting to think is that the person is actually picking up on the other person's thoughts rather than something that's coming from somewhere
1: else But you see, that's also an extension of a cold reading. A cold reading is where you say a person looks at the other person for verbal or visual symbols to indicate they're on the right track.
2: Not necessarily, because cold reading implies that they're actually reading something physical about the person. Telepathy is a mental exchange.
1: Sure, no, I understand the difference, I'm just saying.
2: Yeah, 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 no, but it's a little bit different in, in how they're how they're trying to explain it to people, and that's what they're leaning towards at the moment, is that it's something where people are actually, there's, there's a mental connection that we're picking up on as individuals, rather than it being something that we're being told from something external. So, say, for example, instead of getting it from, oh, that person's dead loved one, well, they're not getting it from that person's dead loved one, they're actually getting it from the mental consciousness of the person that's sitting in front of them so that that psychic connection is still there it's just not coming from where they think it is
3: if you that know, makes any sense that is it's about time because i've been saying that for literally decades now and people would just dismiss it as being well not because they want to believe that they're dearly departed are still existing in some other realm and I had looked into this on a philosophical level deep enough to determine in my best estimate that that just isn't possible but that the phenomena is still real and therefore there needs to be another explanation and that was one of them. If we're talking telepathy, the person might not even be in the room they might be just connected and people who are relatives that's right are connected right i mean uh, if you believe in telepathy and there's too many experiences like that to just write it off and at least we're talking about people who we know are living and exchanging information in the real world so it seems to make a lot of sense to me Yeah, it was it was
2: a really impactful read for me. It was uh really pioneered by a, a doctor by the name of Dr. William Roll and his research. And when it was it was published here just as I say, just recently in uh, advancements in parapsychological research in the tenth edition of the book, and it, there was a lot of huge breakthroughs I think through uh, Rolls research, um, but that one I think is is massive. It's it's just massive. And you know the more we start to branch in and, and look at the capabilities of our our brains, what we're able to do, you know the the abilities that we have, I think. I think we're not giving humans enough credit for what we're able to do. And it's so, so it, this was pretty cool.
1: Well, this to me is interesting finding another way to explain unusual phenomena, but then again, we have to prove mental telepathy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and the, the thing with that, you know, the, the, the experiments have been going on for decades and there's been lots of research that is, I mean, it's still going on in, in, Universities all over the world, um, you know, and I think we still have a ways to go in 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 those areas, but we're getting closer, and we're we're that's something that's at least testable, so and and something that we can replicate and experiments that we can replicate, so that really does put us in a better position to start to understand what that is and what consciousness is.
3: Well, we've talked about this on the show before, and. It's one of the things that I'm really impressed with you about, uh, apart from your just general positive and progressive view towards all of this, in that it also opens up the possibility, like we touched on a little bit just before the show, that if we've got E.T. in the picture, if we've got alien visitation in the picture, which is completely scientifically possible... And they've got the kind of technology that can cause people to hear things in their head. Now, that sounds far out, but we've got that technology ourselves. We do. And so if we've got that technology, why wouldn't they, if they've been studying us for hundreds or maybe thousands of years, and they pick certain families to study... Then they're going to know all about your departed loved ones, and they're going to be able to put that information into your head and cause all kinds of paranormal phenomena that we would not be able to distinguish from what we classically would think of as a apparition or a ghost or haunting.
1: So, is ET a race of mind readers? Warden Knudsen joining us this week on the show with Gene and with Randall. You're in the paracast Once again, theParacast.plus. Prices are just dollar fifty a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast.plus to learn more
4: about Paracast Plus. The way things are going these days, do you ever ask yourself when is the other shoe gonna drop? The warning signs are everywhere. The next big danger is food shortages. That's why Americans are learning to be self-reliant and getting their emergency long-term food storage from My Patriot Supply. We're America's trusted leader in emergency preparedness. Over the past decade, My Patriot Supply has served millions of families and helped them prepare. Our delicious meal kits average 2,000 calories per day and stay fresh in storage up to 25 years. This is reliable food that will be there when disasters strike. And with the way things are going, you should grab some now. Go to mypatriotsupply.com. Order a starter kit for each member of your family, and we'll ship everything quickly and discreetly to your door. Don't wait and scramble with the masses when the news breaks. Instead, prepare today for what's coming. Go to mypatriotsupply.com. That's mypatriotsupply.com.
5: Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bukaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGeday.com with Longevity. Teamgaday.com.
6: Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92
1: Just want to mention for those of you who have been curious about the Powercast plus the, the version of the show Free of the Network ads and the After the Powercast podcast, we have another way now to get the Powercast plus through Spotify so if you search for the Powercast plus or after the Powercast on Spotify and you 're in the u s which is the consideration here if you're outside the u s the feature isn 't available yet in the u s you can subscribe on Spotify. It's the same show, folks. The only thing is here you don't have access to some of the special forums. But if you don't care about the forums, it may be an easier way to set things up. Okay? Otherwise, go to the Plus. We were talking about whether E.T. or higher beings are communicating with us, whether E.T. might be a race of telepaths, whether transmediums, are not receiving it from your dead uncle, George, but from you through mental telepathy. Have we covered everything there? I think you did. <laughs> oh, good. I get an award for that. Please send me gold the certificate. Star. Gold, star. <laughs> gold star. I need a gold star. And I'm too old for yep. that. I was too old for stickers. <laughs> I get stuck on that. Well, to be... <laughs> That was good. Okay. (laughs) It's just perfect. I come out with a million of them. You know what happened is I was influenced because the other day I spent like three hours watching old Robin Williams appearances on The Tonight Show. And that puts you in a really weird state of mind.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so interesting because on the last time that you were on, we were talking about Patch Adams, which I think Robin Williams played the part. That is, so there's a little synchronicity for our audience. Also, okay, getting back to the subject here, we may not be dealing with telepathy. We're just dealing with what, what I prefer to just call information transfer.
1: Mm-hmm. And how it gets there is kind of irrelevant. But wouldn't telepathy be a means of information transfer, reading somebody else's mind?
3: Well, sure. But, I mean, if you think about it, from the perspective of technology and where we were talking about in the previous segment where we have the kind of technology ourselves to project sounds into people's heads where they think it's coming from inside their head. You don't need telepathy. You've got technology that can do it for you. And then in order to know about people's dead relatives, all they need to do is have studied that family clandestinely for some number of generations and build profiles of people and we do that too with animals out in the wild right now so i mean this is all possible without even invoking any sort of paranormal phenomena it can be done entirely without it
1: is it really true that what we call paranormal is because we don't know the mechanism by which it's done so we say oh, it's not normal it's paranormal. But once we know the mechanism, hey.
2: No, I agree. I think, you know, I, I, well, a couple of things that, you know, with the paranormal, I think people automatically associate that with something that is just, you know, so out of this world and fantastic that it has no basis in science. And that's just not true. I mean, we, we see it all the time where things are unexplainable. And then all of a sudden we, we understand, like Gene was saying, you know, we understand the mechanism behind it. And then, you know, we get a grasp on it and then it becomes something that we that we can get our heads around and you know i i think when it comes to to any of this stuff you know even if even if we took out the alien factor which i mean we it very well might be something like that but even if we took out that factor you know just the fact that you know thoughts and consciousness is something that has you know been looked at for a long time within the realm of quantum physics and stuff to retain thought you know there's the the whole you know, black hole smear theory, where that you know every thought that's ever been thought is kind of hanging around and is accessible to to people, uh, you know, as, as long as they're willing to tune into it. So, I mean, no matter what, I think we're we're we've got this bigger question of what where is where is the thought going? Where is thought going if it's you know? not dissipating into the atmosphere. You know, is it something where, you know, is it being studied by, you know, like what what you were saying with, with aliens? Is it something that is being, you know, uh, collected by the universe? Is it, you know, what's what's going on? And that's a pretty huge and cool question.
3: Definitely. It's something that we don't have the answers for. And if, if you belong to the new Mysterianism, uh, the... We will probably never have the answer to that. Or at least the Mysterians, if I'm
1: not mistaken, believe that we can't know the answer to it. You see, the difference between you and I is about age. When I think of the Mysterians, I think of a 1950s Japanese sci-fi film that influenced the name of a rock group from the 60s.
3: Right. And that's cool, too. Yeah and I think maybe that, that I'm not I'm not entirely sure but this philosophical movement I think grew out of part of that as well but it's it's where they're saying it's be, it's too complex and beyond our ability to be able to comprehend uh, what's going on I'm not sure that I buy into that because it, if it's some kind of multiverse theory where maybe we can't know about it until such time as our consciousness is transferred to that realm, then that still doesn't preclude the possibility that we can understand that there could be such a realm, that this one is some sort of a construct, and we're just moving between these different constructs, if you get what I mean
2: yeah no i i I get what you're saying and and that becomes i I think a big question too and you know we get we kind of dip in at that point to the idea of what exactly are you know at what point are we able to to achieve that level of, of information you know is it is it something where we're simply too ingrained in the world in the physical world um i mean we're probably the best beings on the on the planet to, you know, be able to translate our physical environment. You know, we, we're so good at walking around and knowing or believing, I should say, that everything around us is solid that I kind of wonder if, you know, maybe that might be part of the problem is the fact that we're so good at translating the physical that, you know, understanding something outside of that is something that either maybe our brains aren't capable of doing, but maybe we're just we're we're so ingrained and so used to focusing on what is um, that getting our heads in any further is really difficult for us.
3: It's definitely difficult for some people until they're introduced to the kinds of things that we're talking about now. Yeah, and and once the light bulb goes on. Then the perspective becomes a possibility rather than something yes. that is, is too far out to comprehend. Because I I firmly believe that people are a lot smarter than a lot of people give us credit
1: for being. Well, maybe humans- their verbal skills aren't quite as superior as ours might be. I'm just... Giving us credit where none exists. <laughs> Morgan Knudsen, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in The Paracast.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
11: U.S.A. Radio News with Dan Naraki. A bipartisan group of senators continues to negotiate over a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill after a vote to advance debate on the framework of the bill failed earlier this week. Senator Bill Cassidy says the group has made progress towards a final bill, which they want to bring to the Senate floor early next week. The Louisiana Republican tells Fox News that they've overcome some differences to make progress.
12: There are some thorny issues, but we
13: can get it done. And the infrastructure bill, as your guy pointed out, is not the Bernie bill, not the kind of reckless spending and taxation that the Democrats want to do. This is about roads, bridges, and highways. I think it'll be good for our country. I think we can get it done.
11: And the United States have collected their first medals at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Swimmer Chase Caliz claimed gold in the men's 400-meter individual medley. Teammate Jay Litherland took silver. This is USA Radio News. Missouri Supreme Court has ruled on a challenge to the state's expansion of Medicare. Brad Bernard reports. The Missouri
12: Supreme Court on Thursday rejected a challenge to the state's voter-approved Medicaid expansion plan, overturning a lower court's ruling that the constitutional amendment would wrongfully force lawmakers to set aside additional money. Democrat Representative David Tyson
4: Smith.
3: You know, this is exciting. It's long overdue. Uh, I'm excited for the citizens of Missouri. I'm excited for the citizens of my district. This is definitely justice done. Unfortunately, it's taken so long for this to happen, but it's definitely the right decision.
12: Supreme Court judges wrote that the plan doesn't put limits on the legislature's budgeting powers. From the USA Radio News, West Texas Bureau, I'm Brad Bernards.
11: And Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned Congress this week that they'll need to take action on the debt ceiling by early August. The Congressional Budget Office estimated earlier this week that the country would hit the debt limit in October or November. This is USA Radio News. If you are trying to
14: quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. This is
9: me, the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard
14: of paranormal radio. Exactly according to my plan.
1: You see, I always put myself down first. They say that so you don't sound like you're overly egotistical. So I pretend not to know anything. I'm a professor of ignorance. You know who said that? Long John Nibble on his radio show he'd say that frequently but on the other hand he was saying i'm pretty smart to have a show like this and make a lot of money folks but that's not me go ahead please randall somebody actually made money
3: doing this i guess (laughs) wouldn't yeah we'll get that figured out
1: sooner or later Gene. yeah hopefully uh, sooner rather than later (laughs) because i don't have as many years left as you do
3: you're absolutely right morgan and people are trying to figure this out, and scientists and philosophers have been taking it quite seriously now. For well, basically, I think since the Matrix movie came out, back,
2: uh, I, it
3: was I think know? it was a game
2: changer. I, I it, really do.
3: Yeah, like if you go and look up, and anyone in the listening audience who hasn't, the 2016 Isaac Asimov Memorial Debate. This is a panel of world-class experts, including particle physicists and philosophers, David Chalmers, Lisa Randall, even Neil deGrasse Tyson is on this, and they take this subject very seriously and talk about the ways that they're trying to determine whether or not we are in some kind of a construct or simulation. Um, They don't like the word simulation. Simulation. And Matrix is a kind of a pop culture reference to it, but so I just started calling it a, a construct, meaning that it's some sort of a environment that was created for the express purpose of building a universe that we can exist in. And if that's the case, there's a loophole for us in terms of afterlives. I, I think it still ends up with us being copies in the next life, but at least it opens up the door to some very interesting possibilities.
2: It really does. I was reading an article actually just recently. It was probably about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, that they're now looking at the at the idea or they have found evidence towards the fact that we are actually, or universes are actually, cons- like, our constructs, our actual physical constructs. And I, I, this article was just fascinating to me because the the idea behind it is the fact that you've got these like huge structures that are basically we're we're somewhere in there our universe is somewhere somewhere in there and and you know the big question became well how the hell did these structures get here like what are they and how did they get here and I think it's just lending more credence to this idea that there's something far more vast going on. Uh, you know, and, and I think lending credence again to, you know, like you were saying, the simulation theory that, you know, we we're kind of living on a in a in a bit of a holodeck.
3: Well, the idea I think is that if this is some kind of a construct, then it implies a constructor. Exactly. Or- And so, maybe this whole idea that there is a creator is not so far out there after all. We tend to frame it in a religious perspective, but it doesn't have to be a religious perspective. We can say, well, you know, okay, so if there is a universe creator, why do we have to worship it? That's not necessary in order for us to recognize that such a thing could be possible.
1: In other words, he's not going to come to us and say, "Kneel before Zod." Yes, right. Yeah, I like,
2: I, I agree. No, I, I think with that that idea, it's it, it makes sense to me, and and I think I, like I do believe that there is a consciousness that is existing outside of outside of people and yeah i i think you're i think you're hitting the nail on the head with that
3: but how okay now for you this this is really great because we've been slowly evolving into this direction with every visit to the paracast that you've done and we started off just looking at the phenomena in kind of the traditional way with your work teaching the living and how to to deal with that so tell us how in in your perspective this might affect the way that you do your work
2: well I think ultimately it I mean it doesn't necessarily affect it because the the way my work is designed is really about the individual and getting them getting them to a, a, a just a better state of being in a in a more passionate positive life so for me it doesn't really change change the work but it does leave or it does give credence to what I've been saying since the since the beginning which is we really do have a say over what's going on in our experience and you know if we're if we are living in some sort of a simulation if there's you know something to that essence going on then it really starts to lean towards what parapsychology has been talking about over the last like five or six years which is you know when we are focused on something when we focus and make a decision and we focus our attention on on a something that we that we really want or don't want that you know we can create it so for me it's it's not really about changing what I'm doing because ultimately the the activity that's going on around people is is somewhat secondary. It really does come down to again like that person's perception and focus.
3: Don't you get people though who are looking to you for confirmation that what they've experienced is a continuity of some personhood into some other life.
2: Yeah, I mean we always we always get questions like that. I mean, I don't think I don't think at this point anybody's in the position to say that that isn't isn't something that's on the table. Um, you know, I've definitely had experiences that that you know, really make you look hard at whether or not there's there's something more, but what that something more is, it becomes a question. Like, one of the things that, one of of the theories that's been put out there is the idea that our consciousness is, you know, even though it, say, ends maybe in this reality or in this frequency, that in the frequency or reality that is maybe hanging out beside us in some sort of like parallel system or something like that is still viable. Like the probability that is us here in this reality and in this frequency may have ended, but it doesn't mean that a billion other probabilities aren't still walking around, which is one of the things that people have questioned. Maybe that's what we're seeing when we see an apparition. We're getting a glimpse into another probability. So I I don't think we can turn around and say like, no, consciousness just stops or no, it continues or whatever. I don't think we really understand the depth in which this works. And I think our old frame of mind, our own frame of reference was that there's life and there's death and then that's it. But I think where we are with quantum mechanics and, and whatnot going forward is the fact that we're now realizing that it could be a lot deeper than that. So we don't, we still don't know what the answer is.
3: I would counter that and and this is what I do in my own mind is I will I've been through exactly that same sort of rationale in my own thinking about this and eventually come to the conclusion that yes we can determine what is and isn't the case because it can't be one of the options that people want to consider because of the nature of consciousness and what we're dealing with in terms of all of the evidence, it boils down to it might be possible that our consciousness is buffered in some other realm and then recreated from that in some other realm, but it doesn't transition To another realm in its entirety, there's no continuity between the two, which then means that if there is some life after death and we experience it, we might even think we're the original person, but it's not possible for us to be at best we're some kind of recreation.
1: We could also say then that maybe what we do is we pass from one realm of existence to another, but we're not aware of that passage but somebody within the previous realm says oh freddie died but you're not aware of freddie being died you being freddie because you passed on to something where it may be indistinguishable you wake up one day and there you are with gene randall and morgan you're in the paracast.
9: thank you for listening to gcn
10: you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger
15: pricks. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. That's 800-880-1896.
16: whale guys whale wow
14: whale
16: oh that's a big whale um okay whale
5: whale whale oh no whale!
4: the tides can turn quick on the water progressive's boat insurance has you covered get a
0: quote today in as little as three minutes at progressive.com
7: at least it wasn't a shark am i right
0: (laughs) progressive (sighs) casualty insurance company and affiliates This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal
1: radio. So is the Paracast in another realm of reality? Some would like to think so, but we'd rather be part of this reality so humans can listen to us. You know, next reality may be dogs, but we'll see. Randall? Yeah, that's really interesting, Gene. We've got a, a poll
3: on the forum actually right now, which is kind of tongue-in-cheek, where it asks people to come and vote on whether or not anyone actually cares what we think. And so and
1: the answer is a minus seven. Okay, minus seven is the vote that we're getting, folks. Nobody can believe that we'd have a vote like that. They think it has to be positive. It has to be zero. But no, it's minus seven.
3: Yeah, like so... uh <laughs> But anyhow, it's we, we just like to have a little fun doing the show, and uh, it's very little fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I love having Morgan on. I love talking it too. To, about Morgan in the third person. Yeah.
1: Okay. So okay. So, so Morgan's become a third person. What's going on here? Sometimes psychic phenomena. That's right. You see, the thing is, Morgan, we didn't tell our listeners that. But when a guest comes on the show. They go into an altered state of consciousness, and they are in another reality. See, this explains a lot. Well, I bet it does. Okay, I, I have I understand a they're coming to take me away in a minute. I'll be back. We can come
3: back to this though, because I, I do love it, and if, and we can, we can always pick up on the thread again a little bit later. But uh, at your website, which is. EntitySeeker.ca. It says that you received an award from the City of Edmonton for Outstanding Service in 2008 and graduated from the Azire or Azire, the Alvarado Zingrun Institute for Research and Education two years in a row. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about this institute, what they do, and um, what this award means?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the the both are are sort of two separate things. But the uh, uh, Alvarado Zingroni, uh I- Institute, I have I have to say, like this is a good time to actually talk about it because Carlos Alvarado, who um, is uh, Nancy Zingroni's uh, uh, husband and uh, research partner and whatever, actually just passed away the other day. So the the parapsychology community has been rocked because he was actually diagnosed with uh, brain cancer a couple months back, and made that transition the other day. So every, everybody's just been really doing our best to kind of honor who who he is and his research because he was a, a humongous mind in the community and his work is just, it's so vast. Um, so I encourage anybody who's listening that wants to to read about Carlos Alvarado to to head over to the the either his blog or the uh science encyclopedia cuz he's amazing but they basically have created a, a an institute and these programs where you can go and and study and learn and they're taught by the best minds in in the world on this stuff um everywhere from you know France to the states to like all over the all over the place and um you know i i've i've been blessed for for 2 years to be able to to attend and go and, and work with these people. And I, I just, I can't say enough about them. So that's, that's the, that's the Alvarado Zingroni Institute. So my award from uh, the city of Edmonton, it was, yeah, it was 2008 and it was, it was really great of them because I've had programs running in Edmonton for Decades now, I've done educational programs in regards to the paranormal and parapsychology. Yeah, I was I was given a the Outstanding Service to the City uh, Award um, that year for um, creating these these like walking classrooms. These sort of dr- drifts. some of them were on limos, which was really cool limo buses. But I would take people around to these various locations that I've investigated and whatever, and teach. Parapsychology, teach teaching the living, um, and and all of that, and uh, they gave me a they gave me an award for it, and it
3: was it was really it was really an honor. You've been teaching uh, this since two thousand and three, it looks like. So yeah, you've got a lot of experience in this. Can you uh, go over a couple of Cases that are that really are outstanding for you, without necessarily, you know, re- revealing people's identities if they wouldn't be comfortable with that. But just some of your your best experiences highlight some of them.
2: Yeah, I think. Oh, god, there, there's been a lot, and I, I think some of the best experiences for me has have been interacting with people and watching watching their their attitudes and minds shift about the the stuff that's either happened happen to them or happening around them, but it's been an education for me as well. Like um, probably one of the a really, really good example of this was a case that I worked in just not too far from, from where I live. Actually, we have uh, an abandoned hospital there uh, called the Charles Council. And way back in the day we were allowed in to go and, and check it out and take a look at it. Cause it had some pretty, pretty fascinating phenomenon there that the construction workers were reporting and it was a deep dive for me into into history because, you know, we always have to go in and understand, like, the makeup of the building, the geology of the building, the history and everything so that we know what we're dealing with, what we're looking at. And I, I think this case always got me because, you know, we recorded some phenomenal stuff going on in there. Like, we, we recorded... Everything from this hospital still working and running. There was no power to it at the time. But on the recordings, we were getting back everything from like pumps in the ICU to nurses wheeling carts back and forth, elevators going up and down. None of this stuff was running when we were there. We had all these cameras going on. And we, we recorded a scream in one of the on the fourth floor that was so defined. I mean we could hear it with our ears, with the naked ears and um we recorded it on two different audio uh audio and video uh, recorders as well but you know it was as, and as fascinating as that all was the the history which we had to dig into to understand um what that hospital ha- had been through and what it was all about you know we we ended up at a, with a real first hand look At the, the First Nation stuff that was, that was going on at the time in the 1950s. There was a lot of abuse going on. There was burials, uh, you know, all throughout the property, all into St. Albert and to Enoch. And it was, I mean, it was just ugly. Like the story was just ugly. And what blew my mind about it was the fact that no one knew. No one knew. And, And if you dug hard enough, it was in the newspapers. Like you could find this stuff. But nobody knew about it, so I ended up, it, it really changed my perspective back then on what I was doing, because when I, was, I started teaching my classes, we started going by the, this hospital, and I was, I was able to kind of tell the story of, of what was going on during that time period, and no one that attended had any idea. And of course, now, as we, you know, come into 2021, um, you know, everything, all of that's blown up and it's now become common knowledge. The council was this, this place of, of, it was a it was horrifying. Um, but that case has always stuck with me because it's, it was a real testimony to, you know, this is not just about the paranormal activity that gone on there, but there's, there's a story and every one of these cases is a story and a lesson and, uh, and, and, Information that's that can change you, and so I think that one is probably the number
3: one number one on my list. Fascinating. It kind of you know just, that kind of makes me wonder when we're talking about institutions. Uh, we've had a discovery up here in Canada of the remains of over 180 uh, children near Cranbrook british columbia that was part of a catholic school system where they suspect that these children were uh, the victims of foul play and it makes me wonder if uh the psychic psychical research people might be able to offer us any insights into any of that
2: it would be really interesting i i think you know as this is is coming to light i think we're you know, I, I think when we're invited in to to take a look at that, I think that's the time that we, you know, can 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 move in and, and take a, a grander look at things. I think right now, you, you know, you've got an entire culture that is is trying to like they've known about this, but now they've got to get their heads around the, the reality and the the healing that has to happen. And it seems so momentous right now because there's still there's there's still being these these bodies are still being discovered so I think you know once you know if if we are if we are invited in to help with that then I, I don't think there'll be anybody in the parapsychology community that will say no
3: yeah again now they're I'm just reading here that they're up to over 600 uh, yes uh, this is um now with that many you would think that there would be this massive concentration of energy that could
1: not be covered up
3: for this long.
1: We and have a people... massive concentration of energy coming up right now for just a couple of invisible minutes in another reality with Gene Randall Morgan. You're in the
9: Paracast. You are listening to GCN.
1: Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just fifty a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus.
12: For over 20 years, Extendivite has been helping people. Here is a testimonial from Amazon.com. Glad I found this product. I am 51 years old and started getting headaches a couple of times a week. I went to the doctor and my blood pressure was a little high at around 150 over 95. I found out about Extendivite, and I ordered some to try it. Immediately I felt better and it lowered my blood pressure and my headaches went away almost instant. I have been taking it now for about 4 months and I am so glad I found this product. You won't be disappointed. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Extendivite.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: And now, ladies and gentlemen, a concentration of energy from J. Randall Murphy, and it's not the eradicator. And I'm not going to explain what the eradicator is. Eradicator. Unless you're in a yeah, comedy. No, books. I
3: mean it's not really funny at all because before the break we were talking about this case out in, in BC where this is like a potentially a, a mass murder of children type of situation. Yeah. And I would suspect I would I would go so far as to say that I, I wouldn't be surprised if people were to go out and start interviewing people that live in the area that they've experienced all kinds of stuff with with children and apparitions and everything else.
2: It's definitely the case around, uh, around this hospital here, a a good friend of mine who actually works with me. um, He's had, he grew up in that area within walking distance from this place. And it's been, it was active in that area his whole life. um, And as well as other people that we've, that we've interviewed. So I would imagine that it's probably very similar. What's interesting when we, you talk to people and even before the general public kind of knew what was going on with this hospital. Uh, what was interesting was that every single person that you spoke to said there was something wrong with that, with that property. There's something wrong with the building. Nobody wanted to go near it. It sat abandoned for like 20 years. It was, it, it just sat there and, and there, so there was a lot of controversy as to why that was going on. And I, and I think part of it is because if you, you know, you dig up a building like that, you're going to open up a humongous can of worms. And, and they have. So I, I think what's what's been interesting is that for me is that I don't think I've ever spoken to anybody who has said, oh, no, no, that building's fine. You know, everybody on some gut level instinct, even though they had no idea about the history, knew something was wrong. And it makes me wonder, too, you know, with these other locations, just how many people felt that way also.
3: Well, They had been talking about it for a long time. People would say and, and outright accuse people of, of having committed these crimes and nobody was taking them seriously yep. until somebody finally went out with a ground penetrating radar and started discovering what they believe are the remains of, of lots of people that are buried there. I don't know what the, the cause is, but I guess they'll have to get medical examiners out there and forensic scientists to determine you know, what the cause of deaths were. Right now, you know, that there's been a lot of talk that they were, you know, the victims of foul play. We don't know if maybe there was some kind of, you know, who knows, maybe there was some kind of disease involved or something else. I don't know, but it's it's looking pretty grim regardless.
2: Yeah, there's there's been so much, you know, documented abuse and things like that that have, that have gone on. and And oftentimes, you know... People kind of think that it's it's these you know old abandoned places that have a lot of paranormal activity or, or whatever, and it's, it's simply not true. It's it's usually the places that have been the most populated by people, and statistically, and you get a, a place like this, where there's been a heavy emotional impact. And sometimes that can be really positive emotional impact, or it can be, you know, negative emotional impact, you know, but that's typically where we start seeing stuff going a little bit haywire. And, you know, I I think, you know, the Charles Campbell was definitely a a great example of that. I mean, as we experienced some some pretty amazing stuff, you know, even just on the property. When I was doing one of the classes, we, we went down there and there was one of the the students that had had a video camera, and she was had been filming the land. It was dark out, and she'd been filming the land. This was probably in the early 2000s. What was so bizarre was that she was noticing these little lights all in and around the emergency doorway of, or what used to be the emergency doorway of the hospital. And you'd look through the viewfinder on her video camera, and you could see them. If you took the viewfinder, like you just looked at it with your naked eye, you couldn't see anything. And we noticed these flashing, and then they would they would come up to the door, and then eventually they would disappear, then you'd see more come up and we all actually got ended up getting back on the bus and driving around because we were like, "Who's over there? Like there shouldn't be anybody over there. There's a huge gate around the property like this is weird. And when we got over there, there was nothing. no one, no cars, no nothing. But when you held up the video camera again, you could see these lights. And it was my driver, who's a volunteer f- uh, firefighter. He was looking at it and, and identified them. He's like, "Those are cherry lights. Those are cherry lights from the old ambulances." And it, lo and behold, that's that's what we were looking at. It looked like we were watching a videotape of this these these ambulances pulling up. It was just bizarre. So there's some really weird stuff that goes in and around. But I, I kind of wonder if you know that might have what's going on there might have something to do with that. It's it's pretty pretty intriguing.
3: Very interesting. You uh, also do what you call spiritual healthcare, and uh, have or have had a show where you talk about that uh, on a regular basis. Uh, is that still happening, or tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So, oh my gosh. So during the pandemic, or right, right back when the whole thing started. I, I decided that I could use the platform that I have with Entity Seeker as as something that's useful for people, and to be able to turn around and and give them a place to to go for information because that's what people have relied on Entity Seeker for 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 ages. So um, I developed this idea called Spiritual Healthcare, where I was we were talking a little bit about the paranormal, but using tools that I teach my clients you know different ways to journal finding your center um, you know just things that have really helped my clients deal with the fear of the unknown that has that had now transferred over to to something else other than the paranormal now they were you know afraid of this this virus that they they couldn't see um, so we started to do this and then at every at the end of every show we would do a meditation this this sort of affirmation meditation and it, it really caught on and i only had expected to do this show for probably about a month month and a half because of course back then we were like oh two weeks to curb the virus um and needless to say two weeks turned into a month and then a month turned into two months and so on and 151 episodes later i was still doing this so um i just recently um uh closed the, the show down. The last episode was 151. And it's actually getting transferred now over into a brand new podcast that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, uh, uh, that I'm a part of that, that's going to be launching this fall. So uh, spiritual healthcare, all the classes are still available for people to watch and stuff like that. But it's kind of taking this next evolution into uh, a, a new podcast.
3: That sounds really, really interesting. We should talk about a little bit more about your plans for that podcast, but just looking at your site here on EntitySeeker.ca, uh, one of them I'm, that just caught my attention, spiritual health care number day 150, organ donation. What happens when the receiver begins to act like the donor? Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of that? Yeah, so this is such a wild
2: phenomenon because what people have and doctors and and surgeons have reported over the years is people that are getting are receiving body parts, uh, whether it be heart, lungs, eyes, whatever, and are starting to take on characteristics of the donor. And of course, they don't know the donor. They, they have no idea who this person was most of the time. and But they end up getting like really bizarre new skills. Like they wake up and all of a sudden they're like, either really good at piano or like are obsessed with learning the piano and it turned out that the person before them was a like a maestro um you know that donor was a maestro or something like that really interesting things or they pick up like a a like for food that that person loved that they always hated um but some of them go undergo personality changes um that others can't explain um we had a a family friend actually go through something very similar she had a double lung transplant and she was always super neat tidy lady um kept her apartment really nice she was just all really put together very outgoing and after the double lung transplant she instantly turned into a like a depressive hoarder and it will her personality did a 180 and you know as it turned out you know it was reflective of the person that gave her the lungs uh, and she was never the same after that
4: we was, have Morgan Knudsen
1: Morgan Knudsen a fascinating scenario there getting a transplant and taking on the personality of the person who was the original owner of those organs we're to come with Gene Randall and Morgan you're in the Paracast Paracast <laughs> Once again, Paracast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus.
17: Yes, the pandemic is coming to an end. Restrictions are coming to an end, but body aches and pains never seem to end. That's why you need to click sunny-bay.com for the best sleep you can get. Sunny Bay's legendary products can help, like our lavender stress-reducing products, locally sourced and handmade in the USA. Or try Sunny Bay's award-winning pillows for traveling or extra neck support while sleeping. No need for pills or expensive chiropractic visits. Our neck support pillows are that good. Sunny Bay is a homegrown small business, but our products are designed and rigorously tested based on your demand and feedback, and they make great gifts for mom, dad, or anyone. Find Sunny Bay products on Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, or at sunny-bay.com. And right now, get free heat patches and a belt with any purchase. So remember, Sunny Bay heating pads, neck pillows, and stress-relieving hot or cold wraps as restrictions come to an end and you get back to work. Do it the healthy way with Sunny Bay.
15: 800 998 7173. That's 800 998
4: 7173.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: When you mention that, I think, my wife has had three corneal transplants, two in one eye because she had rejection symptoms. So therefore, she has had the cornea of three different people. I assume three different people. Does that mean she has three different personalities?
2: I don't, no, it, it seems to be related to what they're, what they're believing is is memory cells. They're not too sure just how far this goes yet, but they used to think that memory cells were something that were just in the brain, and they're beginning to realize that that's not true that these, these memory cells exist within organs. And whatnot so it's it's really interesting and i i don't know as much about it as i think as i would like to but it's it's a phenomenon that's really interesting and as i think science rolls along with with understanding just the impact we have on our environment and on our our own bodies we're going to understand this more but it's it's really it's it's pretty cool pretty cool phenomenon
1: well that would mean we have to match up organs in another way other than the way they're done now
2: exactly yeah it's it's pulling everything into a into a big a big question, I think for a lot of doctors,
1: well, obviously we know about the horror films where somebody gets to the heart of a murderer and suddenly they're taking down people, so we know it's been common there, but if any of that is real, what does that tell us about anything, and does that mean that if that characteristic is assumed by the recipient then is this something we can manipulate on a genetic level?
2: Uh, well, and that becomes a question as well, you know, is, is this something that, that we've got control over? Um, one of the things that they're talking about now in terms of even even psychometry, and for the listeners, psychometry is when uh, a medium or somebody will pick up an object and be able to read the object. So discover dates, names, the history of the object and, and things like that when they don't know what it is. They're thinking that it might actually be a very similar phenomenon because within the the mechanics of the quantum world we leave bits of ourselves every single time that we on a, on a molecular level a particle level every time we handle something and they think that what these mediums might be picking up on is that it's it's a it's an actual molecular Reading of, of what's going on. So, if somebody has owned an object and there's only been one owner, that reading's going to be clearer than if the object has had like six owners. So, they're, they're wondering if, if that's connected, where, you know, if you give somebody a heart or something like that, then all of a sudden you're kind of getting almost like a reading from that heart or from that lung or something like that. It's, it's really interesting.
3: It implies uh, as well. I mean, this goes back to what we started talking about at the beginning of the show. It suggests that our material bodies are a lot more valuable and influential in terms of determining who we are as our personality and our identity. Yep. Because, I mean, in theory, if if we were to take this all the way, if you transplanted every single thing from another living person into another living person, you would end
1: up being that person there would be no more of you left question i would have then before morgan responds is if you transferred virtually everything what about the education do you transfer the organs from a doctor and the recipient becomes a doctor if that brain is part of the transfer i would certainly think so well the brain we're not assuming the brain here
3: Well, yeah, I am those, right? So, like I'm saying, if you can transfer every single physical thing about a person to another person, well, this takes us back to the whole transporter in Star Trek philosophical discussion. Is the person that materializes on the other end of the beam
1: the same person
3: or just a copy
1: of that person? Well, that would also imply that you have to have a perfect copy every time. Otherwise, the quality of the copy deteriorates from each generation. Right. So eventually Captain Kirk is mush. Well, that's why they have the pattern buffers and all of the
3: other stuff. And there's some interesting episodes where they deal with exactly that or the transporter malfunctions and, and they end up as polar opposites in other universes or something like that. But That's it's the making...
1: mirror universe in Star Trek lexicon. Right. But also the... in Stargate, they were thinking of a similar phenomenon that you have a buffer that contains the person. And if the operation is not completed, they're lost in the buffer and you have exactly. to recover them.
3: Right. So, I mean, again, this, this speaks to how Anything that would be an afterlife would, at best, again, have to be some kind of copy, right? Because your body is no longer there. It's in a jar if it's been cremated as ashes sitting on a shelf or something. And therefore, it's not whatever it is that you perceive it to be in this other alternate realm. It has to be something that is filled in and taken the place of it or if the there is
1: something embedded in the body that retains the personality that we cannot measure and that once the body is dead it's released but
3: the thing is we we were just talking about that is that personality is directly related to our physical makeup even in the form of organs that are transplanted well imagine if you went all the way and did the brain too i mean well, the brain would be the logical <laughs> like thing, as we yes, think it, of the right,
1: we think of the brain, Randall, as being the source of everything. Whatever makes you, Randall, heaven forbid, whatever makes you, Randall, is in your brain. If we take your brain and put it in another body, well, it's a common sci-fi trope. That right, but I, body
3: what, is you. But what we're talking about here is not that just the brain here because they're they're finding neurons throughout our bodies and particularly through our whole digestive system and around our heart and when we feel things in our heart and we get let that feeling in the pit of our stomachs and and those are all neurons that are a lot of them like a good portion percentage of like what would be in our brain is down there too working and that makes us feel certain things well if those are gone and, and we don't feel that way, or they're replaced by someone else's, they're no longer ours, they're someone else's. And this is being reflected, according to Morgan, if I'm reading you right, in actual transplant patients.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think there's so many questions around this, the, the whole concept, because, you know, it doesn't seem, it, we, we still don't know what parts of, say, for example, a a person would be retained in the memory cells of a heart or what parts of the person that are even retained in the memory cells of of the brain for that, for that matter, you know, and it comes back to David Chalmers, you know, is consciousness emergent or fundamental, but I think with, with this, these, these memory cells, you know, we don't know which, which parts of us are, are we translating, you know, like how much of, how many of the memory cells in the brain are connected to, you know, something that we're, you know, a personality trait versus those memory cells that are in our our touch or our our lung or whatever that is. Um, so I, I think there's some questions about it that we can't really answer because we're we're just not versed enough in it yet. Like it's it's coming, but we're not there yet.
1: By the way, we're going to transfer these intelligences to you. So listen to them and see what you think. We're to come with Gene Randall Morgan. You're in
15: the Paracast.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
18: We've all seen, and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin, and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam, meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com, keyword antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203.
11: USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. Missouri's Attorney General says he will sue the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County for reintroducing a mask mandate for indoor public spaces. Officials announced the reinstatement on Friday, citing a spike in the number of COVID cases and hospitalizations from the disease. Attorney General Eric Schmidt said in a tweet that he'd be filing a lawsuit Monday to stop the mandate from going into effect. The largest wildfire burning in the western United States has now burnt over 400,000 acres in and around the fremont winema National Forest in southern Oregon. Fire officials say that it's been 42% contained, but continued gusty winds and dry conditions have made fighting the fire difficult. And a federal court has lifted CDC restrictions on Florida-based cruise ships as the industry begins to start sailing again. A three-judge panel of the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals siding with a lawsuit that argued the CDC's multi-step process for returning to cruising was overburdensome on cruise lines and would harm their business. This is USA Radio News. The U.S. is offering evacuation flights from Kabul for thousands of Afghans who served our military. But just getting to Kabul may be impossible for those who live outside of the capital city.
13: Mike Fortier reports. The Taliban controls most of the roads in Afghanistan, so driving to Kabul is out of the question for those who live in remote areas. Even just driving to the local airport for a flight to Kabul may be too risky, and flights can be expensive. Staying in Afghanistan, though, means almost certain death. Human Rights First says people are begging for help, and dozens have reached out to the Association of War Allies looking for money for plane tickets to Kabul. A U.S. military official says we have no ability to get the Afghans to Kabul because we don't have a national military presence. Time is running out. A 33-year-old in Kandahar who worked for the U.S. military as an IT tech tells NBC News his city is surrounded and it can fall to the Taliban at any time. From the USA Radio News Florida Bureau, I'm Mike Fortier.
11: And you're listening to USA Radio News. Jake was in big
6: trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92
8: Mark, of the,
18: uh, encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the
1: Pericast. I agree with you seriously, Morgan Knudsen, that there's a lot about humans, a lot about life that we do not understand. And yeah, we're not, if we're so part hard. of us <laughs> is transferred, if we do organ transplants, well maybe we should get 3D machines that create organs. And just have organs that have no personality and can assume the personality of the recipient.
2: Well, that's and that's where you get into things like stem cells. I think you know, right? Things like that, where you know you're we're basically growing growing these organs, um, you know, from from almost from scratch. I guess not quite, but almost. And so, yeah, like it's it'll it would be interesting to see if we get the same effects with an organ that was, say, grown in a lab versus one that was transferred out of a, a car accident victim or something like that.
3: I would expect we would. Going back to before the break, when we were talking about how much we do know and, and how much we don't know, I think it's important to distinguish that there's a difference between personality and consciousness. I agree. But there's, in other words, psychologists and neuroscientists know a lot about what parts of the brain and which neurons affect personality and they know how to affect them with different kinds of operations and drugs and that's how we get treatment for personality disorders and it's very actually really there's a lot of information out there now and we also know that the thalamocortical loop plays a a crucial role in initializing consciousness within people but consciousness isn't the same as personality consciousness is right. kind of loosely defined as our awareness of actually having a personality in the first place yes if we have a personal identity that is more a personality than our consciousness consciousness is kind of like an empty drive that is is kind of aware of the of the darkness until it's given sensory input and education
2: yeah, and experience. You know, I think some of, a lot of these things are are based on experience. Like these, you know, these people that, for example, you know, that take on the like of a food that this other person loved that they originally hated. You know, like that's a that one is a very specific like mm-hmm. of somebody in the physical world, not somebody, not a, 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 a non physical consciousness.
3: Right, and I would think that that would that we would probably class that as a personality trait, as opposed to. A facet of their consciousness their consciousness is aware that if well i don't know what the food was but maybe they didn't like curry and they were aware of that their consciousness knew they weren't aware of it but now their consciousness is aware that they do and they don't know necessarily how to reconcile that but part of their new body is saying yummy i like that i want more (laughs) so yeah right so if we if we take this whole concept and say well All of a sudden your entire body that has all of that in it is now gone. What is it in this afterworld that replaces all of that? And that's where you can grasp the idea that it has to be a copy. Whatever it is, even if it's a memory buffer or something else, the actual real thing that that it was is, like I say, sitting on the jar on the shelf, but the one that's in the afterworld isn't. And therefore, it can only be something other than the original.
2: Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a rabbit hole when when you get into it. I'm going to be so fascinated to see over the next 10 years where they go with with this organ issue because I think there is a huge key to how we function as not only as as, as humans but as as beings that are more than just meat suits i think we're gonna fi- i think we're gonna find a lot of keys to understanding wh- how it is that you know things like like mediumship works i think we're gonna find a real deep understanding as to how much our bodies actually play in our our sensory perception of of the world both physical and non-physical um, it's it's gonna be a really neat journey but i think there's there's a big there, there's gonna be some big answers coming through this specific avenue
3: because people aren't as afraid, maybe in the past, it seems to be going in this direction. And I'm not sure what what your experience is, Morgan. But this this would be really interesting to know. Because of the position that you're in, it seems that society in general is opening up to the, these ideas in the way that we're talking about them. In other words, we're not all we're not all getting religious about it and preachy. We're just saying that there is phenomena and maybe there are ways to explain it that can be thought of as academic or scientific if we look at it that way
2: yeah i completely agree and i think where we are we're really seeing the advancements is even in just how the like universities for example are are taking it um like yale recently just opened up their cope program um in regards to understanding uh, like out of body experiences and near death experiences and stuff um and psychic phenomenon, we've got, you know, of course, universities that have been doing this for years, like Edinburgh and Northampton and and places like that. But I think now it's becoming a lot more public. I mean, they're still underfunded, but it's becoming something that is more advertised where, you know, you look back at the 1970s, for instance, when, you know, UCLA and their parapsychology lab was stuck in their basement and again, still (laughs) underfunded. But I think now that we've got the option of and the explanations of of quantum physics and the new advancements in theoretical physics i think we're going to see these areas of parapsychology open up a lot more because people are now going oh no that's you know they're not they're not thinking this is crazy and, and silly anymore it's like no 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 hold on we've gathered a new paradigm here with these different theories and these different ideas and now all that stuff that everybody thought was a little crazy it's starting to make a lot more sense. So I I think the more we can do that and the more we can open those doors up, the more we're going to see this, this come to light.
3: I can see that really changing the field that you're in as a whole. You, you are one of the, I would say rare people that are able to adapt your perspective on this according to the new information that comes out and the new ways that you're able to, integrated into your worldview, but a lot of people can't. There are going to be still those people that say, no, we want to believe that it is set out in the way that the good book says it is, and that's all there is to that. And if you are otherwise a witch or a heretic, and 200 years ago, you might still have been burned at the cross.
8: (laughs) You know, I hate to say
2: that, but... (laughs) yeah but you're right and and I think it is it's it's it is a it is a paradigm shift, and the people i think that are are going to get stuck in in the old knowledge and i s- like you i see it consistently in in a lot of a lot of areas um it's they're going to get lost in that uh, you know, that is going to phase them out eventually. Like, if you, we got to be able to keep up with the new stuff that's coming out in order to pass the right information on to people. And for me, that is the, my highest priority is how do I get people the most accurate information about what's going on? And I think with or at least at least my most accurate opinion <laughs> nothing else but you know i, I think if, if you're get, ignoring that information you're getting lost in in the old ways of doing it this is not the field for you to be in because this stuff is moving so fast and our understanding of the mind of consciousness all of this is moving so fast that if you want to stay stuck in that this is just the wrong field to be in
3: where is it heading and what is this Upcoming podcast of yours going to be focusing on?
2: So I am super excited about this podcast because it's called Supernatural Circumstances. And I'm co-hosting it with a, a good friend of mine from the podcast uh, Dark Poutine, Mike Brown. And uh we I've done his show in a number of times, and he's primarily true crime. And, uh, but we've done different cases. We've done Amityville. We've done a, a bunch of paranormal true crime cases over the years, um, on his show together. And we wanted to bring aspects of, of that genre where, you know, we're talking about paranormal cases and, um, uh, like true crime and, and bizarre things and whatever, and the spiritual healthcare side of it as well.
1: We have more to come with Morgan. With Gene, I'm with Randall. So stay tuned. You're in the, the Paracast.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit gcnlive.com today.
19: So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word George and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like.
12: The reviews for Extendivite are amazing. Amazon customer. It's amazing. I just ordered my second bottle. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after I exercise. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off of BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. Amazon customer. Extendivite works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. Amazon customer. Excellent herbal formula. I've been using it to keep my cardiovascular system fine-tuned. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with
14: Extendivite.
3: Hi, it's Grant Cameron from presidentialufo.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: We continue with Morgan Knudsen telling us about different things you worked on. You said you were involved in the show about Amityville. Learn anything new about it? We had a good discussion
2: on, um, on Dark Poutine about this, and... It, we were mainly, mainly going over the, you know, the, not only the crime aspect of, of what had happened, but the, the mental health aspect of, of what had happened with, with those houses and the mental health aspect, uh, that, that occurs within paranormal cases in general. That there is, there is a component there that, that has to be, has to be looked at. So, um, we spent a, I wouldn't say there's new information about it per se, um, but, the the goal of of I think what Mike Brown and I wanted to to cover was how we can we can take a look at these cases through the lens of of not only the police officers involved but also sort of the psychology of of what has gone on, which is what we're hoping to do in our new podcast, uh, Supernatural Circumstances, as well.
3: Is there going to be sort of a CSI kind of aspect to this, where you know maybe there were psychics involved in the investigation or is is that would that just be kind of maybe something you might touch on at some time as opposed to how factual is it going to be real real life cases and
2: it is yeah Yeah, we want, we're definitely all going to be doing real life cases, cases that people aren't necessarily familiar with as well. Um, and, you know, the ones that people are familiar with, we really want to delve at these things from a different angle. We want to be able to take a hard look at them, you know, maybe from not only the angle of, of, you know, law enforcement, how do law enforcement deal with paranormal phenomenon when they get Phone calls. You know how do you how do you approach that? Um, you know we're, we we want to talk about things like you know the Philip experiment. Do we create ghosts with our minds? How how does how does that happen? You know the experiment in Ontario that that actually you know demonstrated that this is a factor. We really want to get people thinking with this, and we want people to to walk away going, "Holy crap!" You know I've heard this before, but I've never thought about it like this.
1: Before you go on, Morgan, just. Stop there. Create a ghost. Yeah. Okay. Because when you, as soon as you open that up, I said, "Wait a minute. Before we talk about anything else, how do you do that?" Yeah. This.
2: So this was an experiment, and this is actually we're you know we're hoping to launch this as as possibly one of the first episodes, which was a case or a, a study done um, in Ontario uh, back in the 1970s uh, in with both Mensa and the Society of Psychical Research. And what they wanted to do, what they wanted to understand was whether or not the phenomenon that was occurring was actually being generated and, and manifested by the people that were were trying to get the phenomenon to happen. So what they did was they got together a, a, a group of individuals, as I say, both from menta and the Society of Psychical Research, and they sat down and created a character by the name of Philip. And so Philip would never existed, but they made him this this really involved character with this really deep background. And they talked about him enough so that they started to believe that this guy was was real. This this guy had lived. And they took all the principles of the Victorian seances at the time and they thought, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna see if we can create like, if we can get Philip to respond to us. And they did this for about a year. They they met religiously, and it wasn't until they realized that they were actually being too stoic about it that they had to have more fun with things, because that's what they did back in the Victorian times. The seances were very much a, a happy gathering they began to actually get a response and this, they had furniture moving. They had, you know, responses to their questions. They had all of this stuff happen. And when, and they it all responded to this, this name, Philip, when they recreated the experiment with another group that they created a character called Lilith and same thing, like in-depth background character, this person never existed and they got the same response. And this has been one of the, uh, Pieces of the foundation for my own work is the fact that you know whatever this was seemed to have consciousness it seemed to be a thinker it seemed to respond it was it was doing all the things you'd expect this entity to do if it was you know this other person but it was completely created by these people and their belief that this thing existed so it was probably in my opinion one of the most impactful studies in in paranormal research ever
1: okay now something occurred to me say you have an actor And an ensemble. And they've created this character for a TV show. And I'll give you an example. We have Law & Order SVU. We have Captain Benson, played by Mariska Hargitay. For over 20 years, she spent 16 hours a day being that character. Okay? Because, you know, doing episodic TV, an hour show every week for 22 episodes. So she's spending most of her life being that person and you think okay well based on what you tell me here if you got the cast together and imagine that captain benson was real would she then become a real person in terms of being a ghost
2: that's the question yeah there's the question and you know based on this experiment the answer would probably be yes if you had if you had a bunch of people that were focused enough that believed that believed in their heart of hearts that it was real that it was a real person and i think that's that's where the dividing line is with something like like law and order where you know with those actors leave it there and they leave that person there and everybody has a collective agreement that that's a character where with this experiment specifically they worked with themselves enough to believe that this person was real so i think that would be the the difference but i could it be done with somebody like benson i think
1: absolutely it could Now, the thing is also bear in mind here in her private life, she actually has a foundation, a nonprofit foundation that deals with women who have been sexually abused, even men who have been sexually abused. So she's taking the character that she created and brought it to her life. And in one of the episodes, as a matter of fact, dealing with the difficulty in getting rape kits By police, they had the real vice president at the time, Joseph Biden, when he was vice president, come on the show and do a cameo. So you have to wonder, where does reality end and show business begin and vice versa? Because in this case, she did make the personality real. And then I asked people to listen to a story told by an actor named Eric Christian Olson, who plays Deeks on NCIS LA. This is about the special division of... uh, ncis and he talks of a situation there where he came upon a car wreck scene he's played this role for seven or eight years now it's i think 12 or 13 and he gets out of the car and he starts approaching the car wreck as if he's a police officer yeah because he is so used to playing to this character 16 hours a day and and his wife's with him and she screams at him you're not an agent (laughs) and this is something that really happened. And if you've seen the guy being interviewed, he's crazy enough to really act this way. This is what the guy is. So if you ever watch the show and you see the scenes where he and Kenzie is the character that he interacts with. She plays his wife, but in real life, she's his sister-in-law. She's married to his brother. It's really crazy they do these scenes together and they ad lib the dialogue so they live the characters and become the characters yeah. and from what you're telling me here well how far does playing a role for 16 hours a day separate from a bunch of mediums getting together and pretending they this character exists it sounds like a yeah. very small line of demarcation
2: I completely agree. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's this very much the same principle, you know, wherever you're putting focus into and, and energy into is, is starts to create itself. And, um, you know, whether that be something internally for the person, like, you know, like the actor starting to believe that that's who they are, um, you know, or something that's, that's external. I think, you know, that, that line, I, I agree with you is, is very thin and, uh, you know, the, this this experiment was such a, a game changer for um, for some of this research that I I think you know when we you start to look at something like an actor or a TV show that's been running a long time you know it would be really interesting to recreate an experiment that was similar to this where you know you 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 tried something like that out because I mean I, I think you'd get similar results I really do
1: well just think here Grand Gustin he's the actor who plays the Flash on TV he is not going to start running at 100 times the speed of sound because he's mm-hmm. portrayed this character, because that's special effects. Of course. Okay. Yeah, it's special effects. He just runs on a treadmill or something, and the special effects artists create this. Same thing for Henry Cavill as Superman. No, yeah. he's not going to imagine that he can take off his glasses and wear the uniform and become Superman. I wonder wearing that uniform, how he goes to the bathroom. But we don't want to get graphic about this. But that's a big joke about the Batman uniform. Morgan Knudsen, Gene Steinberg, Jay Randall, Murphy, don't know how we got here. You're in The Paracast.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: But it's also a question of reality, that if you believe in something wholeheartedly, how far is that belief from the reality?
2: Yeah, and well, and when does it become that? I have a, I actually have a quote on my my wall: "Everything to be true must become a religion," and it's by Oscar Wilde. I, I really believe that that's the case. You know, it has to be, and and not religion in the sense that it's 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 got a Bible to it, but a religion in the sense that it's practiced. When you begin to practice a certain way of being, or you practice a behavior, or you practice something, you can practice something into existence. And it's both, I think, a physical and non-physical action but you know i think here this is this is kind of a good example <laughs> of that happening you know you, you you put something into it over and over and over again and and all of a sudden you know lo and behold you've got something that you're you're now working with and yeah it's it's pretty
1: wild well, speaking of wild there's a film from 1980 called somewhere in time where christopher reeve plays a writer and he falls in love with a photo of this beautiful woman And he wills himself to go back in time where he meets her. Okay? Somewhere in time. All right? So we think about that for a moment. Jane Seymour played the woman, by the way. And what breaks the spell after he goes back is he looks at his watch. A brand new fancy watch. And that breaks the spell. And he's returned back to his old time. And it's done in such a sad way that you really want him to go back in time and find his lost love again. But that's where this concept is brought to fore in a sci-fi fantasy film where the belief became the reality.
3: Yeah, perfect example. I think
1: belief has gotten
3: kind of a bad rap um, from the skeptics and, and the people who just too much like just give me the facts man like if I can't measure it it doesn't exist there's just more to life and our existence than that I've been working on a, a introduction to one of my songs trying to figure it out and for me it's kind of complex for somebody who really knows how to play the piano it's probably really elementary but for me it's kind of complex to do And if I try to think it through, it doesn't work. It starts to mess me up. And then I have a hard time actually getting to the point where I can. And what I have to do to, to get to the point where I can is get to the point where I believe I can and not think it through. And then... I can do it again. (laughs) So, you know, it's. I don't know if that makes any sense to our listeners out there, but I'm sure that at least to a few musicians out there that have experienced this phenomenon, you can't always do things by thinking it through. You have to believe you can.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've, I've found this, the exact same thing myself, especially with the arts. I think the arts are such a prime example of, of exactly this, because the arts require not only that the belief that you, you can do it, but that belief puts you into a state of allowing that lets whatever you've got preventing you from performing or from from learning that new thing or whatever it is it lets it allows the us to let that go and the arts are so much about that intuition that that flow and I mean as much as it is about knowing the instrument or knowing the the skill and learning the skill and whatever if you get too wrapped up in that Everything comes to an absolute grinding halt, and you might be able to do the thing on a technical level, but it's not going to be at the same level if you were a little bit more in tune with it and were, we're, we're letting, letting things go and letting things flow. Like most artists, they'll call it the zone or being in the zone with something or mm-hmm. being in the flow. And I mean, flow, I know I get that. Yeah. Yeah. F- yeah. Yeah.
3: Flow, zone. Exactly. You know exactly what I'm talking about then. Because when you're in that moment, you're not thinking it through it's just happening yes yep it's it's like there's no delay yeah it's an amazing thing actually we've got a couple of guests that are we've got scheduled to be coming on the show we've just been having a bit of a time getting them during the pandemic but they talk exactly about that the flow and the shift generation i've just had somebody pop onto my skype here Thomas Morrison, uh, one of our longtime listeners and participants in the forum and an upcoming guest as well. And I mentioned we've got you on the show. And he asks... About empirical evidence. This is just uh, completely unexpected, so here we go. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) For example, uh, in terms of empirical evidence, Dr. Barry Taff has observed a drop in background radiation Geiger counter readings during paranormal activity. Have you noticed any kind of instrumented changes in, in instrumentation data or around paranormal activity like do you have experience with that sort of thing at all yeah
2: and you know it's it's interesting because i think he he's spot on i know barry and barry Barry is he's a really he's an amazing investigator the guy guy has known his really knows his stuff um we talk every once in a while just really really knowledgeable person and uh yeah like this stuff going into an investigation first of all is i mean you have to have a baseline so i mean i don't work by myself when it comes to investigations, because I sure as hell don't proclaim to know half of that stuff that I, I need to in terms of instrumentation stuff. So we work a lot with like architects, um, you know, uh, nurses, uh, you know, people that can in- evaluate the environment properly. Like my business partner, Stephanie Wirtz, when she was still alive, she was an architectural technologist. Um, and so we, we did a lot of that. And when, So everything from, you know, you're looking at static levels, you're looking at, um, you know, electromagnetic field levels, um, and you want to find out what it is on a normal day before you ever get in there and start looking for anomalies because you you have to know what's normal before you can spot a spike um, in... In, in readings and, and know what's abnormal. So, um, yeah, there's been quite a bit over the years of, um, you know, stuff that spiked that shouldn't be and, um, and correlations to paranormal phenomenon that correspond with certain levels of, of things like electromagnetics and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, no, there's, there's been a, there's been a fair amount of it over the years. I don't do as many investigations anymore as, as what I used to. That used to be something that I was really primarily in. But now I'm kind of letting other people do that work and I'm in the academic corner now more than I am in the, in the field.
1: Hey, you, by the way, listeners to the PowerCast, we had Dr. Barry Taff as a guest on the show February 26th, 2012. I guess we ought to bring him back sometime.
2: Yeah, he's fantastic.
1: Well, where would
3: you like to take this now, Morgan? Uh We've covered a lot of stuff, but uh, imagine that uh, we could still go on for another hour here if we want to. Where, where do you think we should go with this? Hmm, that's a very good question. <laughs> we have we have covered a lot. Um, have you got any new books in the I- uh, upcoming or uh, teaching the living? How has that gone? Is it still doing well? And yeah, you-, it's,
2: you know it's. It's been interesting over the last year because everything has shifted with the arts and performing and going out and doing, um, just doing talks, doing shows, doing lectures on on this stuff. Everything's changed, and um, so the last year has been has been really a cause for myself to really sit down and evaluate what what is it that's next. What is what is Entity Seeker going to look like in a year? Um, And that's been very hard to predict because of uh, the the rules that keep changing, and and especially on performers and entertainers now. Um, So for me, the the biggest thing coming up, I I think, is is the podcast Supernatural Circumstances. I'm I'm really excited to to move into into that field um, of things. So that's going to be my my biggest focus. Um, Eventually, I I will finish a a book that I've been working on now for the last couple of years called... um, uh, the silent dreamers and uh that one is going to be about the misdiagnosis of of uh mental illness and and mediumship and things like that.
1: We've um, got to breaks here more with Morgan Jean and Randall you are in the Paracast. Yeah.
4: The way things are going these days, do you ever ask yourself, when is the other shoe going to drop? The warning signs are everywhere. The next big danger is food shortages. That's why Americans are learning to be self reliant and getting their emergency long term food storage from My Patriot Supply. We're America's trusted leader in emergency preparedness. Over the past decade, My Patriot Supply has served millions of families and helped them prepare. Our delicious meal kits average 2,000 calories per day and stay fresh in storage up to 25 years. This is reliable food that will be there when disasters strike. And with the way things are going, you should grab some now. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, order a starter kit for each member of your family, and we'll ship everything quickly and discreetly to your door. Don't wait and scramble with the masses when the news breaks. Instead, prepare today for what's coming go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com.
16: Both my legs were amputated due to an IED. It's when you start to try to get back into, like, an everyday life. I absolutely felt like I lost my purpose. There must be something more. When DAV came into my life, they gave me a new mission. I could still be a productive member of society, could still support a family. The
9: DAV gave him that sense of structure and purpose again to get his life back together.
18: Visit DAV.org to learn more about our mission.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community
1: forums at forum.theparacast.com. Now, you mentioned misdiagnosis of someone presumed to be mentally ill, and I have a handicapped. Nephew, Seriously handicapped nephew who is mentally ill. So anything that brings that concept is kind of close to home. I don't think he's involved because he's developmentally disabled very severely. But you're suggesting something not uncommon that someone who may or may not have some kind of paranormal abilities is thought to be nuts.
2: Yeah, it's common, unfortunately, because as psychologists and and whatnot are are trained, and psychiatrists are trained back in the day and i, I think I think it 's beginning to ease up in certain countries now, especially in places like South America. But if you were to even say in a lot of these you know clinics and stuff like that that you believe that you experienced your you know a loved one who has passed away or you know you believe that something like that's gone on. Absolutely, 100% immediately, they would label you as not dealing with the trauma well. You're sick. There's, you know, a hallucination going on. There's like just no consideration at all to the idea that paranormal phenomenon is plays a role in our everyday lives. And it can be extremely damaging to people you know, being labeled that they're crazy, being committed when it just shouldn't be the case. And there's a lot of doctors right now and and psychologists and stuff that are working to try to end this stigma. So that's what I'm I'm hoping this, this book can can focus around is is what they're what they're doing, what the evidence is and what they're looking at to to draw that line in the sand.
1: Now isn't it also part of the problem that a hospital is going to receive money to take in a patient who is mentally ill? And we already have, especially in the U.S., we have an incredible number of people here who are incarcerated in private prisons, not because they did anything seriously. They might be caught with some pot, which is now legal. In many states, it's legal in Canada. So they're accused of a not significant crime, a minor crime, assuming they're not caught driving while intoxicated with something. And they spend this time in prison, and there are private prisons, and they make money, and I assume in the mental health field it's the same thing, you bring in more bodies, you're paid for it. And it doesn't matter whether that individual deserves to be there or not, it's just too easy to get them there and too difficult to get them out.
2: Yeah, I I think you're touching on something that is, is really a prevalent problem. And will we start to look at this the situation in 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 hospitals and what these people are saying and and the the problem is too you know you can have somebody who is say for example is say for example developmentally disabled you know or you know has a mental health issue and then is also experiencing a like phenomenon is also experiencing a problem you know it all gets chucked in one bucket you know that this person is is just nuts or they're crazy or you know oh we'll just put them on more medication and we really have to start expanding our definition as to what that is a really good example is uh Dr. Christine Simmons Moore who is a like really amazing researcher i mean her her stuff is incredible She began to take a hard look at what they call hypnopompic and uh, hypnagogic hallucinations, which are the hallucinations we can have either coming into sleep in that state where we're kind of half out of it and coming out of sleep in that same sort of half-awake state. And it used to be labeled as strictly a hallucination, that those the things that we saw, that was it, that's a hallucinatory problem. And it was all chucked into one one category. And now, with the current research coming out, they're realizing that not all those hallucinations actually happen in the part of the brain that causes a hallucination. They're actually perceptions. And they're starting to have to make a distinction between, well, hold on a minute— what part of this is hallucination and what part of this is something somebody experiencing something because their brain is in a different state so it's it's things like that that is going to change the game a lot for not only the parapsychology side but for the medical side and i don't think a lot of that is is out there enough yet
3: yeah that sounds pretty interesting because i'm kind of a bit of an armchair science but i'm i'm not really you know i wouldn't say i'm educated as a scientist, but when somebody sees something, their visual cortex is is lit up. And it doesn't matter how they see it. right? If they imagine it, it's still the same thing. The only way that you can determine whether somebody is actually seeing something as a result of the stimulus response from optics is whether or not there is actually a thing out in front of them that is optically visible. So if it's if there isn't anything optically visible their visual cortex might be illuminated but that doesn't mean that they're seeing something that is objectively real and separate from their own imagination it's true That's- but
2: there the the part of the brain say for example that causes a schizophrenic hallucination is different than say for example if you if you were to to observe something in real life so there there is a, a difference between those brain changes so that's I think what they're looking at is not so much you know whether or not the person is is reacting to visual stimulus, but the part of the brain that would be activated for example, in a schizophrenic is going to be different than somebody that's got a healthy what they would consider like a healthy brain um, and I think that that's the area that they're they're trying to trying to get a handle on
3: right What would be happening is part of their brain would be stimulating their visual cortex. Yeah. As, a, as opposed to something necessarily objectively real. So, the conclusion that they're saying that they're seeing something that is objectively out in front of them doesn't sound like a logical conclusion to me. But then again, I'm not one of these experts. So, but I, I would be uh, that's something I would like to know more about because. That would answer the question, then. Yeah, it's like it, definitely, it,
2: I would highly recommend reading her work. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. And as I say, it's, it's really changing the face of how we're looking at this stuff.
3: Uh, going back a little bit to when we were talking about this idea of uh, the collective manifestation of the phenomenon, and this is something that one of our other guests, David Halperin, tends yes. to advocate. Uh, he's, he's very much of the opinion that, that things like UFOs and paranormal experiences are the product of a kind of collective consciousness manifestation.
2: Yeah, he is, and like as I've uh, well being on the show with him the the one time that we were all on the show together. Right. Which was that was, was a great just,
3: show. That was excellent. That was a blast.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was an absolute blast. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think it can all be labeled that way. Um, at all, actually, like I, I do, I see where he's going with it, and I, I, I especially in in that particular area, because in for, say, for example, um, uh, in abductions, for for instance, like you have the West that describes the aliens in a very different way than even South America. So um, and the descriptions of the aliens tend to be very culturally centered. Like in South America, when somebody reports an abduction experience, it, it very much usually is a, is is with animal looking aliens where within the west you you've got the grays um everybody seems to have kind of this different different description but it seems to be culturally based. So I can understand where he's coming from with 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 some of it. Um you know, I definitely I think that this phenomenon is a little bit more independent than that.
1: More to come with Morgan Gene and Randall you're in the paracast.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
5: Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with Longevity.
11: USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. Missouri's Attorney General says he will sue the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County for reintroducing a mask mandate for indoor public spaces. Officials announced the reinstatement on Friday, citing a spike in the number of COVID cases and hospitalizations from the disease. Attorney General Eric Schmidt said in a tweet that he'd be filing a lawsuit Monday to stop the mandate from going into effect. The largest wildfire burning in the western United States has now burnt over 400,000 acres in and around the fremont winema National Forest in southern Oregon. Fire officials say that it's been 42% contained, but continued gusty winds and dry conditions have made fighting the fire difficult. And a federal court has lifted CDC restrictions on Florida-based cruise ships as the industry begins to start sailing again. A three-judge panel of the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals siding with a lawsuit that argued the CDC's multi-step process for returning to cruising was overburdensome on cruise lines and would harm their business. This is USA Radio News. The U.S. is offering evacuation flights from Kabul for thousands of Afghans who served our military, but just getting to Kabul may be impossible for those who live outside of the capital city. Mike
13: Fortier reports. The Taliban controls most of the roads in Afghanistan, so driving to Kabul is out of the question for those who live in remote areas. Even just driving to the local airport for a flight to Kabul may be too risky, and flights can be expensive. Staying in Afghanistan, though, means almost certain death. Human Rights First says people are begging for help, and dozens have reached out to the Association of War Allies looking for money for plane tickets to Kabul. A U.S. military official says we have no ability to get the Afghans to Kabul because we don't have a national military presence. Time is running out. A 33-year-old in Kandahar who worked for the U.S. military as an IT tech tells NBC News his city is surrounded and it can fall to the Taliban at any time. From the USA Radio News Florida Bureau, I'm Mike Fortier. And you're listening to USA
11: Radio News.
18: We have all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you ever noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? With bacteria and virus problems, sanitizers and hand-washing are the first line of defense against infectious disease. GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements as set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration as a first aid antiseptic. When it comes to sanitizers, it only makes sense that it lasts till the next application and doesn't dry and crack your skin, inviting infection. For long-lasting, alcohol-free sanitizing, come to GCNteam.com, keyword antibacterial. That's GCNteam.com, antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203. 877-878-4203. Jacques Vallée, you're listening to the Powercast, the gold standard of paranormal
1: radio. By the way, she's been coerced into appearing on After the Powercast, which is part of Powercast Plus and now available through Spotify. Right now, as we continue talking about cultural differences of paranormal phenomena and this is such an important point because if all of these events are physical events you're seeing physical aircraft physical beings within the normal limits of human perception the entity seen in south america should be the same as the one seen in brooklyn new york london madrid or sydney australia right
2: We could even counter that, though, because, I mean, like, everybody knows, like, you know, that whole dress experiment that went around on Facebook for a while where, you know, some people were seeing the gold dress versus the blue dress and so on and so forth. So, I think, like, all our perceptions can vary. Like, they can definitely vary over a period of of time and over a period of of people dynamic. But it's interesting to me when you get collective groups that are experiencing something very specific, like animals that are abducting people rather than greys that are abducting people. It's a big difference. You know, nobody's arguing about the fact that there is a dress. Everybody's arguing about over what color the dress is, where if you've got multiple people that are or multiple groups culturally that are, are having such a massive different experience, it's got to come into question what exactly is is going on. Is, is this culturally driven or is this how our perception is receiving the the information and the data that we're getting? It's a I think it's
3: a fine line. Really interesting. Uh, also to bring up something that's, that's kind of peripherally related in terms of uh, our perceptions and being generated by our, by our minds is, of course – the work that Michael Persinger did. Now, there's a lot of people that are critical of his work, and yet, if you really look at the work that he did, that the stuff that they're being critical about isn't relevant to every single argument against him. In other words, okay, so he thought maybe Earthlights were causing people to experience paranormal phenomena because of an electromagnetic effect. And people will say, well, well, there's no empirical evidence for that, and therefore he's been discredited. But that's just not fair, because this God Helmet thing that he was doing with those experiments was in a lab. And it was under controlled conditions. When he was able to stimulate people's brains with specific frequencies of EM, they were having paranormal experiences that could be described as if they were very real, just as real as any other.
2: Yeah, and I think the you know in his work over the years, I, th- I think the only thing I would would have liked to have seen him branch into, and I, I think he, he just he passed away before this was really a, a thing, but is the idea of what is creating that person's perception of the event? Like we were talking about with with the different descriptions of aliens and stuff like that. What, what I've found over the years is that where people are in their heads, like their belief, their emotional state, all of that kind of dictates what they're experiencing. Like some of the people that have had you know, we, we think of these near-death experiences as always being super exciting and positive and great, but, you know, there's been even people who have had these so-called experiences and have experienced horrible things, like people that have believed that either, you know, that the afterlife's terrible or, you know, whatever's going on or, you know, they're really negative people, and then they have this experience and all of a sudden they come back and they're terrified because they experience these monsters and and whatever. And I, I think it would have been interesting had he kind of taken it just one step further and started to address some of that. I think that would have been really interesting to see what what would come of that.
3: Yes, definitely. I hope that some of his students do pick up on his research, and I've tried to get in touch with a, a couple of them, but they're very, very quiet. They're very hesitant to say too much because of some of the skepticism, and uh, there's a lot of this cancel culture going on out there yeah. in, in the world. And if you're a, a grad student who's trying to, to get employment with that, well, it's too bad that there is still this stigmatism going on, and it's nice to know that there's people like yourself who are out there uh, trying to dispel some of that.
2: Well, I think it's I think it's important, especially in the culture, like you were saying, like what we've got going on right now, where you know if if something doesn't fit a specific narrative. It becomes a problem or offensive or something like that. And it's, a, it's been a problem, I think, in the parapsychology community for a long time where, you know, people sort of get railroaded or just pushed to the side as soon as something that they come out with doesn't fit exactly what either the scientific world is expecting or, or, you know, whatever the the, the situation is. And we, we have to be able to use science as a tool. And we have to remember that it is a tool. It's not a religion. And we've got to be able to go, okay, like, if we have new information, let's look at it, let's evaluate it. And it might be something you know, if people would look at it long enough, that actually aids in the understanding of a theory that they've actually had. It might actually be in support of some of these things that, that people are, are you know harping on. So, yeah, I think people are really quick to dismiss a lot of stuff too fast. And as soon as they can't explain it or it's too far outside of their paradigm or their world paradigm, immediately it's either can exist or it's not real and it's like hold on a minute do you got to really take a step back and it's not about your ideology of what you think this is it's it's more than this
3: it has to be it has to be about reasonable evidence i would say because we also have the the flip side of the coin where it's not such a great idea to just fall into believing that it's all happening in a certain way either rather than it isn't happening at all because that's just as bad then people start looking for confirmation bias and that's why we have people who are cemented into certain beliefs about the phenomena that that's being experienced and that it couldn't be anything else and if you say it is then you risk eternal damnation in the underworld
2: well, yeah, and we see this on, I think, I think social media has become such a problem for that because now, you know, people are, are you know, they they have this way now of of being able to sort of gang up on people, you know, where before, you know, if you were to say, for example, take, you know, you write your paper and then you go and you present it at a lecture hall, you know, how the questions and the grilling that you're going to get at a, at a venue like that is going to be a lot different than, you know, a bunch of trolls, you know, destroying you on Facebook and then telling everybody that you're just lying, right? And it's like, it, it, so that becomes a, a big issue too, is, is how we're moving into this, how we're moving into this and, you know, and where we're getting that information from, um, I think is is really crucial. Like, we've got to be able to not only, I think, back up our points and be able to to say this is, you know, this is what I've I've come to an understanding about, you know, this is my opinion, take it or leave it.
3: Right, and um, I, th- I think we you know, have to be very careful here, too, when we invoke science, and because yes. science is being used as a justification for all kinds of political things it it, is. that have yeah. nothing to do with science, And it, but it be, it's become one of those terms, well, science says this, or some scientists said that, therefore it must be true, when if you really look at what it says, it has nothing to do with the kinds of claims that they're making and but on the other hand
1: randall we understand that science could be misused of We're course assuming so. that something is yeah. basically a theory as something that's proven fact on the other hand being anti-science anything science says that's the man controlling it it's the government that's bad, too, because it yeah. means that things that we accept as science in reality, and there has to be a basic science in reality for us to have a, a normal life, then that's being discarded, too. So it's, it's it's pretty difficult. When it comes to the social networks, of course, it's just an extension of the fact that people will, in a local area, run around in little groups, and they will have their own culture and everything it could be family or just a group of friends but what has happened with facebook and twitter etc is that these little groups can now expand over the entire world we have more to come with gene randall morgan you're in the Paracast.
9: you are listening to gcn
1: Once again, the Paracast.plus. Prices are just dollar50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus.
16: Hey everybody! Go to SoupBeanSurvival.com, that's SoupBeanSurvival.com, and discover the real reason we're giving this unusual superfood away at SoupBeanSurvival.com, that's SoupBeanSurvival.com.
7: You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope.
6: Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up
7: saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If
6: you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give Federal Tax Management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the Federal Tax Management... Hotline now 800 503 8625 800 503 8625 800 503 8625
2: Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of this book is from the future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio.
1: And those listening to the Powercast for many years know that I've had groups on Facebook and Twitter try to go after me. And there's a bunch of different reasons what they're doing. But part of it is you have these groups that think they're better than everybody else, which, of course, is not true, and that they can get away with things like this because only in extreme cases will the social networks react. And we're not going to get into what that means i wanted to talk to you about a few other things going on morgan because we've covered such amount of material here about the stuff you're working on the stuff you've done and we did touch into ufos a little bit here getting into the theory of the collective unconscious from my old friend david halperin who i've known for three or four thousand years and that's just being conservative of course you know, it's before the dinosaurs ruled the earth. No, then I knew <laughs> the late Brad Steiger. But seriously speaking, he's a, he's a good guy. And he's yeah, smart. He and he's not so wedded to his beliefs that he won't consider other possibilities. And time a UFO releases, produces some kind of physical after effect, well, wait a minute. How does that fit in with your theory? But just talking about UFOs in general, because this has been the top topic, the Pentagon's UAP task force in the US. Have you followed what's been going on there?
2: Just the fact that they were you know releasing releasing documents and footage, but I, I haven't been, been closely watching it.
1: Well long and short is they said they have no proof that's E.T., but no proof it's not.
2: Typical government speaking.
1: <laughs> well part of it is, is what what, <laughs> what kind of proof do you expect yeah. of something like this? You have a phenomenon where it appears to be physical, leaves physical effects. You can see it, you can photograph it, you can track it on radar, engages in maneuverability beyond anything that we can do. So what is it?
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's funny. It always makes me laugh when I hear statements like that coming from from the government, because it it always reminds me of in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings when the elves were they they've always thought to be the ones that will tell you both yes and no when you ask their advice. It always reminds me of that when I hear these these statements. But yeah, it becomes a matter of you know how much how much evidence is acceptable for, you know, something being extraterrestrial. And I mean, at, at this point if if you know all the authorities, if you know if the highest authorities in aviation and you know government projects and this that and the other thing are coming down and saying, you know, well, it's not ours well it's got to be someone's so who is it is you know is it somebody here or obviously if it's not yours then it's got to come from somewhere you know i I
1: physicality you see all this assumes physicality it does and then we get back to david's theory now if we look at david's theory it may seem to be physical but it is not physical but that is way beyond anything the government would consider you can't ask them about time travel, multiverse, or collective unconscious. It would be woo-woo land.
2: Well, and the government too is very specific when they, they answer questions. Like if, if you read into the government speak, I have a, a had a good friend that, that worked for the government here and uh, it was always interesting because when they would release something, she would kind of sit there and break it down and say, okay, this is what they're actually saying. And it was always, you know, things like, well, it's not this or it's not that – But they're not addressing what they might think it is. You know, they're addressing the two potential questions on the table. And if you don't ask the question past that, they're not going to give you that information. So if they turn around and say, well, it's not our aviation, you know, it's not this. Well, then you haven't asked them about the next thing. You know, well, then could it be something like a time travel response or something like that or a phenomenon? I always find it interesting that just because they're saying that on the surface doesn't necessarily, I think, mean that they don't
3: know. <laughs> oh, exactly. Like, I, know. I, I, put, I put the meme generator up uh, for one of our posts, you know, with... Turn with on stimulus. the meme
1: machine. Hold on. The <laughs> meme machine. That's the meme machine. I put, they're not saying
3: it's aliens, but it's aliens, right? Yeah. <laughs> Before it was like, you know, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it was aliens. But in this case, it's exactly like you say, Morgan. They're basically telling us that's what's going on without telling us that's what's
1: going on. Yeah. But then it would also imply you have to find a means to tell people. Do you want people to know this if this is the fact? If this is what's going on, we're being visited by E.T. How then do you present that fact? Do you do it this way where it could be, it couldn't be, but we can't prove it? We don't know what it is and hope that that's all they're going to ask, because at some point uh, in time, there may have to be some kind of meeting of the minds here where they're going to have to answer and give a deliberate response that they can't get away from. They can't jump away from.
2: It's so hard to say how they would manage something like that, because we saw kind of a, a, a microcosm of that go on when been really messing up, in my opinion, how handling the last couple of years. So, I I don't even know if they are ready to have that conversation, not with the public, but even with themselves. You see crazy things that have come up over the last number of years, these these public fiascos and whatever, and just dealings with themselves, like dealing with other countries, dealing with the governments within themselves. It makes me wonder whether they would deal with this in a way that was appropriate and that they would be coming forward to the public and, and telling them that this was, was aliens or not aliens or whatever, I don't know if they are ready for that conversation. I mean, they've had enough trouble admitting to some of the atrocities that have gone on over the last number of years. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do if, if they come and address it at all.
1: Well, I have this other theory that if Roswell involved the crash of a spaceship, and I'm skeptical for many reasons, but okay, so that's the answer. They would have secreted that thing away in a hangar somewhere, buried it, and wouldn't want to get into it because they couldn't understand it. What are we going to do with this? Think about it. The best scientists on the planet confronted with technology that may be hundreds or thousands of years ahead of us. What are we going to do with this? How do we handle it? And the response is, handle what? Yeah. And maybe that's the only answer. It's just like the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. Where they locate the Ark of the Covenant. What are they going to do with it? How are they going to handle that? They stick it in a dusty warehouse somewhere because there's no other way to handle it. And maybe that explains why, for example, we have this Pentagon UAP task force dealing with 144 cases, some odd cases. What are all the cases that have been reported since 1947 or before 1947? What happened to them? What happened to them is not necessarily a deep, dark secret or a silence group keeping the truth about UFOs being spaceships in a little locker somewhere or five people know about it. It is what we don't know anything about that. That didn't happen. If it didn't happen, we don't have to deal with it. And that's the thing. The bureaucrat wants to deal with something that fits in category A, one from column A, one from column B, one from column C. Column Z, we haven't a clue. We have always a clue when Morgan Knudsen joins us. Tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff.
2: That you can find me on EntitySeeker.ca. Everything from spiritual healthcare to my live shows and all that is are, are on there, as well as upcoming live events. You guys can check me out on YouTube, YouTube.com/EntitySeeker. I'm there as well. Subscribe to that; it would be great. Um, and soon you'll be able to find me on Supernatural Circumstances, the podcast with my co-host Mike Brown.
1: Wow, so many places! You can find us on Twitter. Look for the PowerCast. Look for the PowerCast on Facebook. Look for branded merchandise. Featuring Paracast logos, custom logos from J. Randall Murphy and more. Go to the Paracast.shop. The Paracast.shop place your order t shirts. Some by the way, we do have the triple X sizes for those who are a little bit bigger than us. Okay? We also have the Paracast Plus. That's a special service where we include the Paracast. In an ad-free format without the network ads, the After the PowerCast podcast where Morgan's going to return for further discussions. You can go to the theparacast.plus for more information. And now for U.S. subscribers only, you can also subscribe to the PowerCast Plus on a monthly basis with over 700 episodes available on Spotify. But still in the U.S., we're hoping later on it'll be... Elsewhere around the world, but right now in the U.S. on Spotify, or go to the thepowercast.plus. Morgan Knutson, you're so much fun to be with. We're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us on the Powercast.
2: Thank you, guys. I love it too. So we'll do it again. <laughs>